Kobe Bryant, guarded by Radmanovic. Chef comes out to set a screen. Kobe around it. Ten on the shot clock. Kobe stutters to the Performance by Kobe Bryant establishing a new NBA record. No one before had made as many as a dozen three-point shots in a single contest. That is now the NBA record. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Beats, Brews, and Points of View podcast. I'm your host, Neil Richter, along with my co-host and partner in podcasting, Eman Bates. The PIP, that is me, and we're here for episode 66. 66. Yeah, we're back after our super long, in-depth uh, discussion on the best uh, uh, albums the, of the, our the decade. three-hour episode. <laughs> three hours of yeah. content, pretty much, for that. But, hour um, and a half. was hour and a half each episode, something like that? Uh, the first one was like an hour. ended up being an hour and 15, and the second one ended up being an hour and 45 minutes. Sounds so yeah, right, it, was, so. it was a lot. So I'm glad we split it up into two episodes, though, because yeah. that would have been a hell of a long one. Yeah, because I know my attention span. I'm not lasting more than like, <laughs> I barely last more than like 45 minutes. So yeah. <laughs> we talk about all the time how we think our our favorite wheelhouse for music, podcast, get that 45 minutes to an hour at a time, you know, and people can pay attention and get shit done because no one's got six hours or three hours, six hours to nah, sit there and listen to. Every Joe not. Rogan podcast is like three plus hours. Well, Joe Rogan can do that. Yeah. <laughs> but even I mean, that, we, we, even when I'm listening to it, I always split mine up with him because I can't do it all uh, in one sitting either. It's or, like part interview, part DMT. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but anyways, welcome back to the show. It's good to be back. Um, you just heard us starting off the episode with a little bit of a highlight reel of Kobe Bryant because um, unless you live under a rock, you I'm sure you heard that uh, he tragically passed away at the age of 41 in a helicopter crash, um, along with his daughter, Gianna, uh, who was 13 years old, which is even sadder to me, um, because at least at 41, Kobe Bryant, well, I mean, I know 41 is still very young and a very short life, but that man accomplished a lot of shit. I feel uh, like he would have had, I think he was just entering like the second stage of his career too. Yeah, he won, I, an, he won an Oscar for the Deer Basketball like uh, mini cartoon mm -hmm. a couple years ago. Yep, I feel like he was going to the second stage of his career where he would have exceeded without, outside of basketball. Right, but, and this stage of Kobe Bryant's life too was the Kobe that I like to see because I know a lot of. I mean, um, I've always been a Pistons fan, so I was never rooting for the Lakers or really rooting for Kobe. I mean, I'd always acknowledged how insanely amazingly talented it's, it's he was like tom brady like you gotta right. acknowledge you don't necessarily like him but you always gotta acknowledge exactly how brady was. but i mean but he was also known in his early years as being pretty arrogant and kind of like uh you know a selfish type of dude and i kind of liked seeing him go into this second chapter of his life where he was really involved in his uh daughter's lives and the basketball coaching and teaching them and all that and he seemed like he had to kind of humble himself out he was really, really into other sports, too, and championed, championed a lot of other sports. Like, he was really into soccer. I know I saw Neymar give him a shout-out when he scored the right. other day. And, and um, yeah, he was just really – he was just a big I mean, fan of athletes. he transcended basketball. I mean, he was oh, just, like, sure. such a huge, like, pop culture, like, entity. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, just, he scored 81 points in a game, which is insane because, like, it's a yep. totally different ball game when he played from when Wilt Chamberlain played. The amount of athleticism in his generation – is certainly different, and I think that's insane. And he had it's crazy where he had eighty one. I think about it. But. Yeah, and we'll talk about him a little bit more. But I thought it was also um, worth mentioning because you haven't heard it a lot in the news and the media coverage about it. That the other names of the people that were involved in the plane crash that lost their lives tragically as well. 
There was um, the coach of his daughter's team, which was Coach John Antebelli and his wife Carrie and their daughter Alyssa, which that one hits me hard too because they have two other daughters that I read about. So imagine being those little girls and losing their sister and both their parents on the same day. I couldn't even imagine. I I would pray nobody I you know ever gets in that situation right yeah that's like, tough that's, that's awful and then there was also another um teammates and uh, of theirs and um parents of theirs there was mother uh and daughter Sarah and Peyton Chester um of the Mamba Academy oh there was the Mamba Academy basketball coach Christina Mauser um and then the pilot Era Zobayan who I think um had been with them for a while or he was like his personal pilot or whatever this helicopter yeah. i know kobe liked to take helicopters a lot um he said it would like minimize his time spent waiting in traffic to like, get back and forth to these games and stuff which that's is, the most baller shit ever yeah by pretty the way. privileged <laughs> yeah, that's what, but, but um that's what i thought it out there i like you know what i don't feel like dealing with traffic like i don't have you ever been to los angeles neil no never so 405 is probably one of the worst freeways on, in, on the planet <laughs> yeah I've heard. when i went to la last year was it last, two years ago i went to la and i actually went from culver city like to downtown mm-hmm. never well i hate that freeway so right. much it's like for all my michigan people it's like 275 and prime time on steroids <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say i hardly ever leave the state of michigan i haven't even been on an airplane in 12 years <laughs> so that just shows you how uh how much i don't really travel <laughs> i go no, like, i like honestly if, i'm a midwest boy shit, if i would take a <laughs> helicopter ever i went to if i had it like that as well <laughs> i wouldn't man i don't know those things don't seem that Safe to be, and as you can tell, I mean, there's something like well, this. Well, no, but I guess was, they were also flying in really that's foggy what it was. condition it was where they fog weren't supposed and to he, be up. It was a fog, and then the pilot misjudged the terrain. That's yeah. so that was, I don't, I hate to say the word user error in the situation, but mm-hmm. you just misjudged like what, what you know, what you were dealing with, and right. unfortunately, it led to the outcome we have today. Right. Yeah. And I also read something today that um, I don't know how the news broke of this. I'm not really sure who. Uh, said it, but um, I guess him and Vanessa, his wife, had some kind of a pact where they were never to be flying on the helicopter together at the same time. I don't know if that was like for uh, safety reasons of their kids or whatever, but they, I guess they had that pact with each other. So I'm not sure. It sounds maybe to me like she was not a big fan of the helicopters type deal. That could be what that might have been about. Yeah, that so. or unless something happened to either one of them, you know, they want their, their children to be without a parent. That's what deal. I mean. Yeah, that, yeah. that's that too. But I, I, he's been flying helicopters for like that for a long time. Even that's when he was avidly saying, back like, in playing basketball, he'd go to a lot of the games in helicopters. So. That's what I'm saying. Like it was probably one of those situations, kind of like almost like with Leah with the plane, where they just misjudge the situation. Like it was a, like a weight issue for her, right? Like I don't remember too much what equipment. happened with Leah. To be honest with you, I think they loaded. I think the Leah situation was where they loaded too much equipment on the plane, like coming from back from Hawaii. Is that what it was? I think that's what it was. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, Leah, I think it was just her birthday the other day. She would have been like, I think, 45 or 46 so years old or something that like up, that. Yeah. Now, which is kind of crazy to think about. But um, also, since we're on the sad news, um, I thought it was also uh, worth noting that um, Howard Abrams passed away, who is a Detroiter and a longtime uh, Detroit Music Awards board member. Um, he was a, a law professor at the University of Detroit. And uh, the Detroit Music Awards put a little thing on their Instagram where it said Howard was a passionate or was passionate about educating not just his students, but also local musicians, uh, often gracious about copyright uh, and other issues, helping them build successful careers. And he gave generously of himself and uh, 
passing out is a long or passing is a loss to the entire Detroit music community. So I guess he was help, heavily involved in helping like uh, U of E students and stuff get get going not only in law but in uh, in music. So I think it was no- worth noting that he um, passed away. And then um, I think I had one more down here. Uh, oh yeah, and then Terry Jones, who was one of the co-creators and main actors in Monty Python, um, also passed away. Which is funny because the beer that we have for this week, which we're well, actually we could probably just get to it right now because we have no guest, is uh, is a play on Spinal Tap, which was the creators of Monty Python as well. Um, and the beer this week is called This One, this goes, one goes Up goes to, to 11, Eleven. Which, if you're unfamiliar with that movie, there's a funny running bit in there how their amps on their for their guitars go up to eleven, and they're like, well, "Why don't you just make ten louder?" And they're like, "No, because these ones go to 11. There's like a whole funny thing on it. Which that movie is hilariously accurate about rock and roll music at the time. So if you've never seen Spinal Tap, you should definitely go see that movie. I've actually great. never seen that movie. Really? I know what it oh, was. Dude, I that's your homework for the it. week, bro. You got the fire. Hit it on the fire stick. Stop, stop mentioning it. Oh, yeah, shit. I mean, stop legally, legally hit it on the fire stick. <laughs> download it legally. Yeah, go to Amazon Prime and, and download it. And, it's probably you know, on respectively Netflix, buy the movie. To be honest with you, it's probably on <laughs> Netflix at this point. But um, yeah, so anyways, while well, we are... Um, Real, we have wait go real yeah, go quick. Ahead. So uh, we want to get into, I'm gonna get into the description of this beer because it's a okay, long yeah, one. I got for sure. Uh, the untapped description. If you follow us on Beats and Brews underscore or untapped.com forward slash Beats and Brews, uh, you'll check out the review we're gonna write on it. The untapped description is this one goes to eleven. Opens up with a bright juicy aroma, such as tropical fruits and ripe cherries, largely derived from massive kettle and dry hop additions of Southern Hemisphere hop varieties, such as Galaxy, Manteca, and Summer hops. Uh, the citrus and resinous pine notes of the Pacific Northwest uh, Northwest hops family are also well represented, making their presence known through Simcoe, Citra, and the newly released Mosaic uh, Ver- Verito. Ver- Verito? I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> I don't even know what you're saying either. Yeah, anyway. It's just (laughs) to name a few. A wide range of special malts anchors the hops for this imperial red ale, contrasting the assertive bitterness and juicy aromatic with a robust, toasty depth of flavor. Fermented with Bell's signature house ale yeast, this one goes to 11 ale finished with, with a lingering warmth. Hmm. And it better be good because this was a $15 four pack of beer. <laughs> so. I mean, I, I wouldn't expect anything less from But it's also from 11%. Bell's so. It's also Bell's we're dealing with. So. <laughs> That's very true. Um, and we've actually never done the the backstory on Bell's. So after we um, toast these up and play a little bit of music here for you, we will uh, get to that story on Bell's. But also to note that going forward, we're going to be playing a lot less um, commercialized music because we are trying to gain sponsorship for the podcast and going forth we don't want to get in any trouble with any copyright yeah i'm not trying to get no subpoenas Um, coming to our door we're gonna play a lot more local music and (laughs) music from our friends and different um acts that have been on the show and that um allow us to play their music um and today i'm going to play you one of the tracks from dugatron's last album um this song is called club chill and Kyle and Stevie T are two awesome musicians that work really hard. They play a lot of local shows around the city. You can catch them on. Um, their Instagram is, I think, just at Dugatron. Um, 
but yeah, they're good friends of ours. I've known Stevie my whole life and Kyle for a long time too. And we love those guys to death. So we're going to play a little bit of their music while we try some of this beer. And so. real quick, just to let you guys know, if you're interested in getting uh, music played on the podcast, you can always send us an inquiry at beatsandbrewsinquiry uh, at gmail.com. Yeah, absolutely. Please send us your music. Or if you want to come and be a guest on us, also email because we love championing the music any you from... artists want to be artists don't want <laughs> any anyone and it does not it definitely does Leadership not have to be nice genre speech. specific we're actually looking to branch out more too we don't want just hip-hop on here we want djs we want rock bands we want you know anyone I, does, you can even be a country artist i don't really We've listen had to country a, we, music i mean we got well, we had it. a restaurant on, on here <laughs> we, we had we had a restaurant on here we did have we a restaurant. We've also had a mayor on here. We, so you we know also I mean? had a mayor. Yeah, you're right. If you got hey. a local business from around the city, it doesn't even have to be just music. Head us up. We would love to have you on here to uh, to have a chat. We will have the conversation will usually gears towards music, but we'll promote your stuff and hey, do but whatever. The conversation you know? always gears towards beer too. So that's true. That's true Cheers. too. So uh, here's a little bit of Club Chill. That was on um, Dukatron's latest album from I think was it 2018 or 19? 18, I think. Yeah, but well, if, if we're wrong, Steve, you'll correct me and I'll correct it. <laughs> but here's a little bit of that for you. What the hell? That's, that's, that sounds like some trippy Coolio. <laughs> Sorry about that. Let me restart this one for you because I had yeah, title playing in back. the background at the same time. <laughs> This is Club Chill. <laughs> I would say that would. There's nothing chill about Coolio. There's like, nothing chill about Coolio. Well, didn't sample Coolio.
That's just a little taste of Club Chill from Dugatron's. I think that was a self-titled album, actually, and it was 2018. I wanted to get the date on that right. Um, you can stream that album wherever streaming is available. Uh, they have it on all platforms right now, and you can go buy it. And Dugatron also puts out a lot of cool mixes on their SoundCloud page, so go follow them on SoundCloud because they do a lot of uh, different live mixes or they'll put up some uh, random tracks that, they'll, that him and Stevie will do. And um, they actually just, Kyle was just over our house the other day and he was telling me they played a show uh, downtown. I forget specifically where it was at, but it was half where they did their own original music and then it was a party for like someone's work or something. And they got to do like um, just a bunch of different mixes and they were doing like Christmas, it was someone's Christmas party. So they were throwing like Christmas samples and tunes in with their own style and stuff. He said it was just, they had like a lot of fun doing it and it was a really good blast. So that was pretty cool. So shout out those guys. Um, but yeah, that to this beer, um, holy shit is a full flavorful beer. <laughs> yeah. Strong hop presence. It, yep. ha- it definitely has that warmth that the description was talking about at the end. Uh, I can't pound this beer definitely like I want not. to, cause it's definitely, it, you taste every bit of that 11% for sure. Absolutely do. It's definitely really strong and it's got a lot of different flavors in it. It's a lot, it's definitely a lot more flavor than I've ever had in a red ale, I feel like. I mean, it's an Imperial red ale. That's probably why I've never had an Imperial <laughs> yeah. red ale before. But, um, yeah, I'll give you a little breakdown a little bit on the story of Bells. Because Bells is kind of an interesting one to me because they actually have a lot of, like, the country's most popular beers now. Like, uh, Red's, or Bells Too Hearted is voted the best beer in the entire country right now. So, I think that's for a few years running now. I think it's been at number one. But, anyways... Bell's was started by a man named Larry Bell in 1970. Well, that's when he kind of started getting the interest in it. After attending uh, Kalamazoo Community College, or Kalamazoo College, I'm sorry, uh, he began working at the Sarkozy Bakery, where he gained an interest in yeast and fermentation, and soon after started brewing his own beer um, to see if there was an opportunity there. And then it says, from there, in 1983 is when the original Bell's General Store opened. Um, he opened that store, um, which was a homebrew supply store, a precursor to the brewery on uh, Burdick Street in downtown Kalamazoo under the name Kalamazoo Brewing Supply Company. Uh, that from there in 1985 is when he made his very first Bell's beer. Um, brewing with a 15-gallon soup pot, Larry, sold, or Larry Bell sold his first commercial beer on this date in 1985. Um, and also in 1985 is when he... Uh, made his first actual beer that he named and had, a, had an actual uh, presence for, which was the Amber Ale, which went on to be now just, uh, it was Great Lakes Amber Ale at the time, and now it's just known as Amber Ale, but that was his very first beer that he ever made. Um, and then his first brew also happened that year, so um, he got a lot of stuff done in 1985 here, it looks like. And then in 86, it says his first milestone happened where beer production reached 135 barrels, uh, one barrel equals 31 gallons. Originally self-distributed, Larry and a staff of nine bottle and Larry and a staff of nine bottle and deliver everything for the next four years. They have typos on their website. That's okay. <laughs> um, and then also in '86, um, his first brewed Third Coast beer, referring to the coastlines created by the Great Lakes. Third Coast beer was created before the craft beer market really took hold in the United States. People were afraid of beer called ale, uh, even though it was technically a pale ale. It was named a beer to be more approachable. 
Uh, moving on to 87, the year I was born was his first brewed porter. Um, our award-winning porters bridges the gap between malty brown ales and heavily roasted stouts. Notes of chocolate coffee and roasted barley are offset with just a slight hoppy bitterness. Also in 87 is the first time he brewed uh, Two-Hearted. And nice. The first version of the Two-Hearted debuted in the late 80s as a pale ale brewer, uh, brewed in English malt with Wisconsin-grown hops, um, the Two Hearts. The Two Hearts we know and love today debuted in 1997 as a winter seasonal. In 2003, it became a year-round um, offering and surpassed Oberon's Bell's uh, best sells, or seller in 2013. Um, let's see what else in 88 was his first brewed stout. I'm going to kind of graze through them because they have a whole lot of story on here. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bell's has a long history, bro. 88 was his first stout. 88 was also his first Bell's brown ale. Um, also the cherry stout, the double cream stout, uh, the third coast ale. Um, first district, he first got his district first distributing deal in, um, 89 and then it just goes on to kind of just tell you the dates of all the different ones that came out. But I think that's kind of a cool story that he got it going or got interest in brewing beer all the way back in 1970 and started in the 80s with selling his beer. Neil, I didn't really actually think I it was actually that got old. an interesting story for you regarding Bell. So it was Larry Bell, right? I mean, yeah, Larry Bell. OK, so I read an article on Larry Bell when I was doing my uh, brew, uh, my brew class a couple years ago. I'm going to let you name the beer because okay. I feel like you'll get this because it's a very popular beer. All right. Larry Bell said. I am going to create a beer that tastes like a cat ate my weed and then pissed it out and sell it for $20 a six pack. Hop slam. Yes. Because <laughs> that almost is kind of a fair representation of what that should taste like. Yep. <laughs> I'm not big on the hop slam, to be honest with you. Like, the country's like, crazy for it. I mean, hop like... slam, I mean, the 2020 edition just came out like a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's very, it, it was, when it first came out, it was so good. But I feel like hop slam along with uh, founders KBS mm-hmm. and CBS, they overproduce so much of it because it's overhyped now yeah. to where it's not even that rare and hard to find anymore. Right. It is funny, though, because a lot of the places will keep it behind the counter instead of putting it on the shelves because it sells out kind of quick. But um, it's actually kind of funny, too, because a shout out to my Uncle Craig from Hawaii who listens to the podcast. Um, he was in town visiting uh, this year for actually he's been in town more than I've ever seen him this year. But um, he was in town visiting. And one of the things that he wanted to do was go up to see where my grandpa's um, uh, ashes are in the military funeral or in the military um cemetery that he's at and so they went and did that and that's halfway to Kalamazoo so they decided to drive to um Bell's Brewery after they did that and it was actually like it was just a random thing that they did it and it was the day that it came out was the hop slam so they went up there and they had like the first tap of hop slam while they were up there so that was kind of cool for them my dad said it was pretty packed up there because like Kalamazoo goes crazy on that day when it comes out. So real, real quick history lesson too about imperial beers and why why they're called imperial. Mm-hmm. So what happened is like when they were getting transported from England to Russia, it was actually made for the Imperial Army of Russia. Oh, really? So it was supposed to be like the most elite style of beer. That's crazy. That's what. That's why <laughs> imperial beers are stronger. That's a cool yeah. story. I didn't know that. Yeah, this beer is good, man. Um, I'm gonna have to be careful on it because it's 11, percent and that's uh, it's like kind of one a one and done. Good beer. thing you ain't driving. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. E-man's driving. One thing, and I just I just saw this notification pop up. I really want to talk about it. Uh, one of my favorite animes, My Hero Academia, right? Yeah. Uh, the creator of My Hero Academia actually just posted a video of like the main protagonist, Ezekiel Midoriya, wearing uh, wearing uh, Kobe's, Kobe, like Nike Kobe Zooms. Oh, really? Yeah, that's crazy. That was like I thought it was really cool because if you, I'm yeah, I'll, if you guys want, I can post a link to like the uh, live feed, and we can post it like the article later. But Neil, I'll let you take a look at this. This is like one of the coolest things I've seen. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. He's wearing a pair of Kobe's. Yep. Right. You know, it's funny too. Like a couple of weeks ago, my dad just gave me a pair of Kobe's. It was, he like, he, they didn't fit him right or something like that. And he gave me a pair of Kobe's. So I should have worn them today, but I kind of forgot about that. Um, but he's, he's got some sweet oh, ass shoes, man. He kind of like, between Jordan, you think he's probably the most popular basketball player's shoe, don't you think? Maybe LeBron's too? LeBron's a pro- Michael. No, I mean, as far as basketball players go, nobody's touching like Michael Jordan. Well, running as far shit, as, like, yeah. I think Jordan's its own like the brand only now, isn't it? Yeah, the only like person that like with their own shoe company that can touch that has more sales than Jordan was actually Kanye. Oh shit! Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> with Yeezys. Yeah, but ain't nobody but buying as Yeezys far as, no more. As far <laughs> nah, people still buying Yeezys. Not like they were. Nah, people still buying Yeezys, bro. Not but like no, nah, I mean, going back to that is still. I mean, I feel like, man, I'm still, like, fucked up about the Kobe thing, I'm going to be honest with you. But we need to move on. We need to move on with the show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Plus, um, if you, it's pretty much been on every sports radio station, every TV station. It was all over the Grammys. I mean, it was everything. We're just going to talk about the Grammys in a little bit anyways. Yeah, yeah. We got a whole, um, I got a whole thing with the Grammys. I want to get along to something old, something new this week because we had a few big releases we that E-Man and I wanted to talk about last, last week. week be- but we couldn't because we had the um, the decade podcast. I didn't even listen to anything that came out this past week because I'm I'm still stuck on two weeks ago. I'll be honest with you, nothing great came out. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. I, I didn't think anything did. It was nothing that stood out to I me. I looked. It was kind of a week, a week, week. <laughs> that's you fine. You had three monstrous ones that came out, so it's fine. That is very true. But um, we can start off with something old. Would you like me to kick it off, or do you want to kick it off? Uh, you can kick this one off. All right. And actually, because of the Grammys is how I got my something old this week and what I decided to go back and listen to. So I'm going to kick it back to 1991 with Bonnie Raitt's Luck of the Draw. Oh, snap. Um, and I, like I said, with the Grammys is kind of the reason I chose that, because Bonnie Raitt performed on that show um, this past Sunday. And I was blown away, man. She's 70 years old, and her voice still sounds as pure and rich as it has ever sounded, in my opinion. I was, like, really, really impressed by it. So uh, that's why I was like, shit, well, I'm going to go back and listen to some Bonnie Raitt. And um, if you're unfamiliar with Luck of the Draw, the reason I know it in the first place, honestly, is because of my mom. My mom used to listen to this album a lot when I was a kid in the car, and so I would hear it through that and i always kind of liked it i you know you sometimes when you're a kid you're not really into your parents music or whatever but bonnie Raitt had just like such a soulful quality in her voice she kind of had like a country folk thing going on but it was also very much pop music um but i mean she always had played guitar and sang and it's just like had such like a, a realness sound to her voice and you know i can relate it to someone that's of a newer wheelhouse that I'm, I just clicked to me when I was watching the Grammys that must have been a huge influence on her. And that's Susan Tedeschi from Tedeschi Trucks Band. Um, they have a really similar um, tone of voice. And I love Susan Tedeschi's voice. Like she, her voice is like butter to me. It's so smooth and like just puts me in a great mood. But um, this album was huge for Bonnie Raitt. It came out in 91. 
And she had just put out an album two years prior to that called Nick of Time that was incredibly successful too. If you ever heard the, lo- the song Love in the Nick of Time, that's another really, really great song. But this one had huge singles on it, on it for her. It had Let's Give Them Something to Talk About, which was a smash. I mean, it's even been parodied in uh, Step Brothers when Will Ferrell's singing it. He's, when he starts singing, uh, uh, let's give him something to talk about. <laughs> and he starts singing all high and shit. And fucking John C. Riley's like, you got the voice of an angel. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that was on there. I Can't Make You Love Me is on there, which I think in my personal opinion is like one of the best songs ever written. Um, that's just a really pretty song. And lyrically, it's a really good song. Um, and this album went on to be hugely successful for her. And I was reading a little bit about it. And the reason that she wrote it so quickly after Nick of Time is because she had just gotten sober, um, from being pretty big into alcohol. She said she was a pretty big alcoholic and kind of went on, went on a little retreat for herself where she just kind of got away from everyone and was just seeing if she could write quality music without any drugs or alcohol. And, uh, she said it was hard in the beginning, the first few days she didn't, nothing came to her, but then she said all this music started coming to her and she said it was more pure and better quality than anything she wrote when she was drinking. So, um, I thought that was pretty cool to note. And there's even a song on here. I gotta look at the track listing. She, she noted, uh, she dedicated this album to Stevie Ray Vaughan because he died shortly after this, but he's the one that kind of helped get her sober. Because he had recently got sober at the time. And um, she made a song called, let's see, what was the one? Let me find it here. Oh, it is Still Burning Bright is the name of the song that she wrote um, in dedication to Stevie Ray Vaughan after he passed. Um, But yeah, this album sold 11 million copies in the U.S. alone. Um, and it sold, I think it went on to sell like four or 5 million, um, uh, like abroad in like the UK and France and other places. Yeah. So she, this album sold like 15 or 16 million copies. So, um, shout out to Bonnie Raitt. If you haven't heard that album, I think you should go back and check it out. Oh, another notable thing to, to mention about this album is one of the, she produced it herself alongside of Don was who Don was a legendary producer from Detroit. So. I think it's cool to note that as well. But um, yeah, that's what I had for something old this week. I didn't dig that far in the crates for this one. I went back to 2015. Uh, I was actually just listening to it. I the tried other to go day. outside of the decade because we spent so much time in the last oh, decade. Man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I get that. And, but at the same time, like I really didn't listen to that much new old music right. this past week or two. Yeah, because I was uh, you know, I was doing other shit. Yep. But I went to uh, 2015. I went to uh since since the odd future alumni had a good night uh at the grammy sunday <laughs> i decided yeah. to go to a different odd future alumni i went with uh the internet and i went with ego death mm, great album great album right uh this album great uh, reminder first too. of all just with the cover i just love my man i i think i think that's steve lacy but no nah, that's not steve lacy right. but the dude that got got holes in that like in his hat mm, have you ever known i that forgot his steve name lacy. too steve lacy's the guy with the bass yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Shit. Anyway, because I know Matt. No, Matt Martian has like it's to the far right. That's the that's the bigger dude in the middle of them. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, I fucking love this album. First of all, like you have a bunch of features on here. It's loaded with uh, you got Janelle Monae, Vince Vic Mensa, Tyler the Creator, Katradana. I mean, yeah, this album they're, is so dope. They're awesome with their feature selection. 
Just they really are. And it's just like <laughs> such a good like vibe like to throw it way through. And it actually was nominated for a Grammy back that year or 2016 Grammys for Best, Ur- uh, Best Urban Contemporary Album. Oh, nice. I didn't even know that. Yep. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, that and then I think the first, what was their first album? That was dope. Purple Naked Ladies, I think, was the, how I got yeah, into it. I like it. Hive Mind a lot. Too. Hive Mind. Yeah, the most recent one. Yeah. Yeah, it was honestly there's such a good vibe way out. Steve Lacey did produce, or uh, he was a pro a producer on the first track, by the way. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that the getaway. Now she wanna follow me. It's funny too, just like Bonnie Raitt, uh, Sid's voice is another one like that's very therapeutic. Here's the like, thing about such Sid. a good place. Sid sounds nothing what she looks like, and it throws me off every time I hear. Her. <laughs> yeah, that it's is true. Sort of crazy. It's true, she kind of looks like a boy a little bit. She's kind of tomboyish. In the way she dresses. Which is cool, but like, oh, yeah, she has a good voice, man. And I didn't know she was actually, because uh, I remember when I saw, when I first saw Tyler Crater, actually, 2000, it was like when Goblin first came out. So it was like 2010, 2011, I want to mm-hmm. say. Uh, Sid was DJing. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I kind of remember hearing about that. Doesn't Taco, her brother, DJ for Taco him now? Taco DJs for him now, because <laughs> yeah. everybody, I mean, because they're all. I mean, f- between them, Earl, like everybody's doing shit now. Mm-hmm. So Frank That's Ocean, sweet. yeah, good for them. Shout out to the old uh, Out of Future camp. They really. I'm gonna um, get into that in a minute because I'm big. Dude, I'm so happy with Tyler right now. I even, am too. Even he, though, and I'm actually happy how he handled it too. Like what, like the speech? Me too. He's absolutely correct. Yep, 100 percent correct. Yes. We might as well just go in to talk about it real quick. Uh, do you since want we to? Got, we're, since we're on Odd Future, might as well. Okay, go ahead. So, first of all, if you guys are familiar, uh, if you guys were watching the Grammys, Tyler, the creator, won Best Rap Album for his album, Igor, which, to be honest, was not a rap album by any means. He mm-hmm. maybe rapped on maybe 15, 20% of the album. Mm-hmm. But just the actual production and the vocals and everything that got on it, it was so fucking dope. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy to see it compared to, like, you know, like a Goblin or a Bastard or, like, you know, his earlier right. stuff to where he is now with, like, the Flower Boy era and Igor. Mm-hmm. Is, man, I'm so mind blown to how far he came in fact between him I would say Mac Miller and I would say Childish Gambino had like one of the best evolutions of like an artist I've seen in a long time I agree with you on that I would actually say Tyler more than that just because he started almost like horrorcore type shit into this yeah. I wouldn't put him in a horrorcore box but he kind of that's kind of the lane he was if I were to put this in a category in. I think they messed up by putting it in rap category and it's kind of what he went into in his um they knew how they do the after awards where they're kind of talking to the press and the media and he was like i feel like it's kind of bullshit kind of like paraphrasing what he said is that just because we're black artists we get thrown oh, into the, urban. the rap or urban category and i didn't a make a rap word. album or an urban album i made a alternative. i mean he, i would put it in the alternative music category because that's very much what it is i don't even think it's pop really because it's really not pop but Kinda. I know what, I, a little but bit. I get what he's saying, yeah. which they shouldn't be all clumped into that same group because there was, if if you're thinking about it, like the other guys that were in that category more like were rapping, rapping, like you had YB and Corday, Meek Mill, Meek Mill, Twenty One Savage. Who else was not? There was one more album I think that we're missing that I can't think of right now. Oh, Revenge of the Dreamers. Oh, Revenge of the Dreamers, which is yeah. also straight forward rap. But I don't really think that that one. That's another thing. We'll get to that later when we get to the Grammy talk. But um. But yeah, shout out to Out Future and shout out to uh, Tyler. His performance was crazy. Oh, man. <laughs> actually, you know, I wanted to open the show with Brand New One, actually speaking of that, because I, <laughs> I love that song so much. <laughs> right, yeah. And I was so song. happy that was his song of choice. I'm like, dope. 
That was sweet too. How he uh, ended it by like falling backwards into the like the pit or whatever. Oh yeah, that was cool. Him. That was pretty sweet. Sweet. I want to see his um, concert because like if that's the vibe, I'm I'm all for it. I hope now because I saw him live and I hated it during like Goblin era. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. I've heard Earl Sweatshirt sucks real bad live. I mean, Lazy's flow in hip hop. <laughs> yeah, but so. I heard it's just not even that. Like he just doesn't connect at all with the audience. Someone said when he performed at Movement, he performed the whole show with his back to the crowd. Which is kind of bullshit. That's dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's super dumb. But um, that's just kind of that's Earl's personality, which kind of is a bummer. Too. Like him and Vince Staples is another one like that. But I've heard Vince, I heard Vince First, Staples is dope though. He's alive. awesome live. I've seen Vince live a couple times. He's fucking sick. Um, but yeah. So is there anything else you wanted to add about your something old? No. Before we move on, no, we're good. All right, the something new, which um, we're both just gonna talk about him because I think we had all three of the same ones. Which was yep. for me was Eminem's prize album, Music to Be Murdered by. Um, that juice for um, a feature, man. Holy shit. Yeah, Mac Miller Circles and then 070 Shakes. Um, shit, what the hell is the name of 070 Shakes? I'll, I'll look that I up. I forgot we'll how talk to about pronounce it. <laughs> I, I straight up forgot how to pronounce it. It's a weird it. title, dope, so it's though. not something I remember. Right um, it. Which one do you want to talk about first? I say we might as well just, well, should we? I was going to start with Eminem. I'm going to spend probably the most time with Mac. But yeah, I did too. So I guess I'm gonna we talk about Mac first if you want. I'm I'm cool with that. Um, Mac Miller's Circles came out, which um, if you haven't heard about the story behind it, he was heavily into making this album, uh, which was meant to be a companion piece to Swimming when he passed away, and the whole concept behind it was supposed to be Swimming in Circles. And then there was supposed to be a third album too, which was supposed to be was strictly really? rap. Yeah, oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he was working with legendary producer John Bryan, who's been around since the early 90s. He's worked with like the Chili Peppers and Jane's Addiction and all those, that whole era of music. And I guess um, him and Mac had become kind of developed a friendship and started working on a lot of music together and had like wrote a lot of wrote and produced a lot of the shit for swimming together. And then we're working on circles at the time that he passed. So John Bryan spent the last year and some change finishing the album. He said most of the tracks and all the vocals were already done, but there was just like some some mixing and some mastering and some touch-ups and stuff to do. So that's what he did um, with the wishes of his He said family. it was weird that, like, doing that without Mac, too. He said it was which, very weird. Which I can imagine. I, I, would, I would say so, actually. Yeah, and he said he was, when he said he was reluctant um, to work with Mac at first because he didn't know what kind of, energy he was going to bring and then he said he just totally fell in love with mac miller as a person and as a musician he's like and they said it was funny because i watched a little interview that he did with zane lowe it was like a 10 minute interview with uh, john bryan where he said that um mac was actually a really shy person in the studio he said it was, it was funny because his personality was so outgoing and when he's talking to people he was really funny and stuff but he said in the studio he was really self-conscious about his singing voice especially i can um, see that but he said that he worked with him on that and just kind of like just reassured him that he was really good at singing and he was really good at playing these instruments. He said he would come into the studio with like a bass line or a piano part and then he would immediately want John to play it instead of him. And John would be like, nope, you're going to play it because you're good at it and you can do this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess they really kind of helped each other um, musically and creatively. So um, what did you think of it? <laughs> bro <laughs> i loved it but it's so sad 
It's not sad at all. No, I mean, just like the, just the thinking about like he never really got to hear this come out because it was oh, yeah. so good. That's that, just, sad just that sure. aspect is sad. I definitely I cried really love this album. No. Cried like because like thinking that it's going to be his last. It's the last music that comes out. Unless they yeah. put out something like that was just like scattered songs. But I don't really think they should, to be honest with you. No, like, like this, the, this was meant to this come out. This is it. Um, this should be it. It's a really beautiful piece of music, man. It's definitely not rap. I wouldn't put this in the rap category either. They're going to. Oh, um, yeah. But it shouldn't be. It should, it, it, it's I agree with you 100%. Um, and it's just really beautiful. Lyrically, it's super positive. Um, I feel like it, swimming kind of was like, the end of swimming was kind of in, coming into this vibe, but it was like, swimming was like him going through the darkness and then coming into the light, which was circles really to me, because all of the vibe on circles is really positive and it's all got like a positive flip on like good uh, news and positive for perspective. Instance, yeah. yeah, it really does. Good news, um, good news, good news. That's all they want to hear. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of yeah. like to me, I like my favorite way to listen to music is in my bedroom with the lights off, with my eyes closed, laying in bed, because I feel like that's when I just like get the most out of it, take away like your other senses and kind of focus on the listening. And I kind of just felt like I was floating. It felt like I was floating in a circle, and really I was laying was, in my man. bed listening to it in like a in like the most positive way possible. Man, it was really peaceful, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, there's a lot of super dope bass lines on here, and super dope guitar was parts. It Thundercat, a lot of you cool think? piano. I think that I read that Thundercat was on part of it, um, but I know he played on some of it too, and so did John Bryan. That's what I thought. So, um, actually, it's funny because if you go on title now and click on the, uh, oh yeah, I'll give you the description. You the, what? Why did I do that? <laughs> have have totally have gives title you queued all up the right now. Production credits and writing credits and shit, which I love because I'm a total fucking nerd. Um, let's see. Yeah, it looks like a lot of the stuff was by him and John playing. Yeah. And, I know there was. I remember. The, oh, Mono Neon, Mono Neon Mono playing bass on one. Did of he tracks. really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, he played on "Complicated," which is the second track on the album. I've, I've totally forget. I totally slipped my Mono mind because I saw him make a post about that. That he was really honored that Mac reached out to him um, and was a fan of his music and asked him to play on the album before he passed away. Shout out to Ghost Note, man. Yeah, shout oh, out man. Ghost Note and Mono Neon. That dude is a sicko on bass. <laughs> Go follow if, if you like great music. Go follow Mono Neon. On he just plays. Instagram. He plays bass to viral videos. <laughs> yeah, and and he'll just he'll post live videos Hands of Ghost Note, and he's just Instagram like follows. rocking out. It's awesome. Yeah, he's sick. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm just super super happy with the end result of this project. I think they did a wonderful job with it. Um, and it actually kind of worked well for me because I listened to it right after that insanity of this new Eminem album for music to be murdered by. Oh, that's what I refused <laughs> to listen to the Eminem album until I finished the Mac album. See, I, I did it the so, other way around. I was so excited for the Mac album. Like, no, <laughs> no, pause Eminem. I'm listening to Mac. I knew the, then I'm going to listen to you. I did it the other way around on <laughs> purpose because I saw that it was called Music to be Murdered by. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to need to wind down after that. So I'm going to listen to the Mac album. And get a little positivity back in my life. Oh no, I want to. No, I was like, I'm gonna hype it up. I'm gonna hype it up here. I saw that feature list. I saw. Oh my we're god. We're about to go to Murder by. I saw like Young and May on there. I saw Juice World on here. I'm like, oh yeah, I need to hype this shit up. Yeah, it's totally crazy. So, um, if you haven't heard it yet, Eminem dropped a surprise album last Friday. Um, I guess that'd be two Fridays, two Fridays ago. ago now. Yeah. Um, which is called Music to Be Murdered by, and the theme of it is obviously based around Alfred Hitchcock's Music to Be Murdered by, and he has like um, 
the beginning in an interlude and the outro done by well it's not actually alfred hitchcock obviously because he's dead but um but it's in that alfred hitchcock's voice or whatever and he's kind of brings in the album it's for the you sound bites from the yeah, it's, thing. it's really cool it, it does a really good job um and it's definitely that but it's not like kamikaze i feel like kamikaze he was just going at everyone's throats who was say, talking shit about him over the last five six years or whatever and this to me was more of just like i'm having fun again i'm gonna play around with every style of rapping that i know how to do there's tracks that are insanely fast like he beat his own record off rap god with that uh song with juice world godzilla i think they said it was like 330 something words in 15 seconds or some crazy shit like that. I forget what it was. It's nuts. I mean, I, I played it for my dad and he was even blown away. Um, but you got production on there from um, Dr. Dre. You got production from him. You got Mr. Porter. Royce the Five Nine produced two of the tracks, which. Those are his first two beats, right? Not his first two beats, but uh, Kid Vicious's brother said that it was like, I think like the first like five beats was in there, like somewhere oh. in like the first five, six beats he ever made. Um, which is crazy because Royce did an awesome job with those. <laughs> I love the wild. sample on that darkness song. You got that like um the Simon and Garfunkel sample on there. And um that song is fucking brilliant, man. I I've spent a lot of time thinking about that song, and it may not be my favorite sonically of all my Eminem songs, but con- conceptually that might be one of the best songs he's ever written because he simultaneously is rapping about the Vegas shooting um, his thoughts about his career and his own nervous energy about performing live, and then also his addiction to pills, all at the same time, and like it, they all interchangeably work for the same, same thing. It's it's crazy how he does it. Eminem's just a really really smart man when it comes to words. Um, but yeah, that song was a Royce Speaking beat, of and then smart you man when it comes beat. Speaking of smart men, when it comes to world he uh, words, he broke a world record for Godzilla. That's by what, the I, meant. Way. That's what yeah. I was saying. Yeah. Jesus. I, you, uh, no, I thought say, no, I thought that was that one darkness song. No, no, no. We're talking no, about the saying, Vegas shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just I told was talking about Godzilla right before that. Oh yeah. Uh <laughs> how many words was it? It's like three hundred and something words. Oh man, like, I mean, I'm actually was just about to look that up. Yeah, look that up. Um but yeah, and then also which I was really impressed about with this album is the features. And I think that's what pissed a lot of people off with um what was the one that people didn't like? Was it called re- relapse or not relapse? Oh, that um, al- the album? The album that had like Walk on Water and all that shit. That was Revival. No, Revival. Revival. So everyone was pissed about that because it's like all these big pop star. Oh, yeah. When he had Beyonce features and shit. It. And it's like, well, we don't need this shit, man. You like, why do you need any of this shit on your stuff? You're like, you're established. It's your ninth album or some shit. You don't need to do this. So he did the opposite on this, man. And he put on um, a bunch of hip hop ass features and young hip hop that not a lot of people know about so it can get a good look. Um, I thought it was dope. Dude, I'm sad had, Juice World never heard that song come that out. Sucks. No, like, yeah. I'm sure he heard it, but I'm, he never I mean, got you to know, see like, it. I mean, you know, like, see, like, the reaction be, from yeah. it. Yeah. And he did dedicate the album to Juice World. But um, he's got the track with Juice World that we mentioned already. He's got a track with Black Thought, Q Tip, and Royce the Five Nine on it, which is like the most hip hop shit of all time. That's like. No, the that too. Aliens of hip hop right there. I like the one with, you know, three, thir- two, uh, three quarters of Slaughterhouse. That shit's amazing. <laughs> That that song's brilliant to me because um 
all of them like flow effortlessly into each other, especially Crooked Eye and Joel Ortiz. You almost can't tell for the first bar of Joel's verse that he's that it's not um, crooked, crooked anymore. Eye, yeah. Like it fucking it goes switch, so like, perfectly into each other. It's insane. But then he also put Young Ma on here, which is awesome from New York because she is super talented. <laughs> yeah, he put Don Tolliver on here. Oh which yeah, is the also Jack Boys. New. Dude, Don Tolliver, that song with Don Tolliver is one of my favorites on the, the album. Cactus Jack signee. Shout out to Travis my, Scott. He put my favorite, Anderson Pack, on there, which that song yes, is great. Lot. He's got bars for Joe Budden a little bit on there. Uh, and then who else has he got on here? The, the one song with Ed Sheeran's a little corny. There's a couple that I thought were a little bit corny. I don't like mind Rich. that song. Oh, Skylar okay. Gray. Well, Skylar Gray's on here. Skylar like Gray's always on. Skylar Gray's always on Eminem's albums, except yeah, for last one. one. Like I don't. One? I didn't hate it. I didn't. Hate I didn't hate it. it. It's not the best feature with them, but it's I not. I didn't like the chorus. It's it. too dramatic for me. But um, that song I didn't like. I didn't like the uh, the Ed Sheeran one, that was Skylar okay. Gray one, or the one like about the, his stepdad. I kind of like those the Ed Sheeran one. Three like throwaways for me. But I get why you put them on there. Like the Ed Sheeran one's obviously going to be a radio single eventually, and it's kind of funny actually. I like the, like the lyrical content's pretty funny. Like, I think Marsh was my favorite. Marsh actually. is hard, man. That's Mar- Marsh and Godzilla like my two favorites. That's on just there. crazy. I think my favorite would probably be the Anderson Pac record. Um, you gonna learn with Royce, um, the Don Tolliver track, and probably the one with Black Thought, Q Tip, Denine, and Royce the Five Nine. That's just insane. I mean, Black Thought. Goes off, off. Black on Thought that goes off. <laughs> so, Shout out to the roots. Yeah, man. Black Thought is just a total. That's like the aliens track, man. That's like all the rap aliens, in my opinion. Like all the dudes that you just, you may have have more commercially successful music than them, but you will never outrap those men. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I just really, I, I'm always an Eminem fan, and I've I've prejudged Eminem albums early and been like, yes, I love it, because like I just my fandom for Eminem, like you to growing up listening to that him. one for a minute, right? And then I've gone back and been like, actually, I don't really like that shit that much. I felt with Revival. This one, I, yeah, I'm be honest with same you, here, same here, <laughs> exactly how I felt about Revival, and even Kamikaze, I didn't go back to a ton. I did, you know, here's the thing on Revival, I did like Frame. That was that was the one song I take. There was a song called Castle at the very end that I thought was pretty good because it was emotionally pretty sweet. Um... But yeah, I just love Eminem that he made a themed album like this too. I love like themes for albums, man. Like I love that Eminem's like a super hardcore horror movie fan and like always seems to find a way to like lace that into his music a little bit. Um and yeah, you're just not I mean you can say what it's it's become trendy, I feel like in my opinion to make fun of Eminem and talk shit about him on Twitter because It's like Drake. Yeah. Like you can talk shit about Drake all you want, but yet well like the dude is probably he was probably one of the, the top artists of the decade. Yeah. yeah. But it's one of those things like it, you just get you feel like people get clout for making fun of him, mm-hmm. which I don't see that cuz that dude has hits on hits on hits on hits on hits. Just like Eminem, hits on hits yeah, on I hits agree. on hits on hits. I agree. You know, Ebro from Hot 97 made a good point when he came to it. He was like, "You can say that you don't like Eminem musically. You can say you don't like the sound of his voice." But what you're not going to do and what I won't allow you to do is come up here on my radio station and say that Eminem's a whack rapper. Because if you're trying to say that, you're full of shit. <laughs> um, well, she's right because Eminem is insane with the words. And he makes me laugh more than any other rapper does, too. I'll be sitting there listening to a line that he says and he just start cracking up in my head. I'm like, that was fucking brilliant. Him and I'll say Jared Benton's another one like that for me. I don't know a whole lot of Jared Benton's music. but Cut I know my arm like, off and jack off of my right foot. that's fucking weird (laughs) um but yeah it seems like it's getting pretty good reception from the critics too so 
good for him. Um, and it's crazy to me too that to, it's worth noting that he's 47 years old, still rapping like an insane person. So that shit makes me happy. But um, and then yeah, the let's third go one to let's, let's my roll. favorite actually out of the three rollout. I'm gonna be honest Bro, with you. I'm gonna be honest with wait. you. I cannot. Oh, wait. I'm so happy, and we're going to go see her next month. Yep, on the February 27th. Seven O Shake. Yeah, the album Holy is called shit. Um, Modus Viviendi. That's why I didn't remember the name of it. <laughs> I, say, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think of that. But also dropped the same Friday as Mac and Eminem. And if you're unfamiliar with her. She's part of like this whole 070 clan or whatever. There's 0705, 070 Shake. I think there's a few other ones. Or if you really want to be familiar with her, you can actually go back to the Kanye West Yay album and she was on the track Ghost Town was with her really? and Kid Cudi. Oh, shit. I feel free. Oh, that was yeah, 070 right. Shake. I didn't spend yeah. that much money or time with that album. That's probably why I didn't hear that. <laughs> um, but she's phenomenal and she is a good music artist too. She signed to Kanye's label. But she's a twenty-one or twenty-two-year-old chick from Brooklyn, or not Brooklyn. I'm sorry, New Jersey. Jersey, yeah. Um, who is just making soup? I gotta look up too on this while we have this pull up who her producer is because that dude bodied this album. Um, let's see if it says who is producer. Juan Sebastian Brito. What is it? Oh, that, no, that's uh. She got a bunch of people on here. She got Mike Dean on this album. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. She got a bunch of people I on this. Maybe album. she was working with maybe one, one specific producer or something. No, nah, that's the all over the on place. This album is absolutely insane. It's just like really, I people try to say that she's a hip hop artist, but I don't really consider this. That's music like hip-hop. Post Malone. Yeah, like, I, I don't really I, consider hip hop. She's why? singing most of the album, um, but it's just really creative. It was like a breath of fresh air to hear um, all the tracks this have was these like hands down my favorite. I think this is my favorite out of the road, three rollouts, and that says a lot because I love all three of these. I mean, I love Mac and I love Eminem to death. So I've definitely to, for, gone back and listened for to this that, more than the other two so far. For that to be said, man, I was like, yeah, I'm really happy to see a breath of fresh air in the industry, man. Something somebody new that's putting out some quality music like this. That song like, Pines too reminded me of um, was dope. That song Pines reminded me of that uh, track uh, that Nirvana has. The uh, it's like the last one. Oh yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's actually a cover, really. But she's got a song called Pines. On I think there Rocket Ship is probably my favorite track off of there. Let's see. Oh, it does have the. Let me just pull this up so I can see who produced all the tracks because I'm interested in stuff like that. Um, looks like this dude or Hamelin. Is like the main producer. It's on a lot of these. Mike Dean is on a few too. Yeah, Mike Dean, Hamlin, and Solomer. Solomer. Francis the Lights on one of the tracks on Terminal B. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Francis the Lights is pretty sweet. Francis and the Lights. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it looks like Mike Dean and this Hamlin and Solomer. Mike Dean, if you guys are familiar with, uh, a lot of Travis Scott stuff, a lot of Kanye stuff. Mm-hmm. Big big industry guy. This album starts off really strong, too. That Don't Break the Silence song is great. And then Right Into Come Around is another one of my favorites. I wish I could just start playing all this for you, but I don't. we're trying to get this Yeah, we're, you know, we're trying to not get <laughs> subpoenaed. <laughs> not even some, subpoenaed. We're probably just going to cease and desist, because what are you going to do? Come sue us for the money that we pay for the podcast? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, come take, uh, take over Speaking that. Speaking of which, us. you can guys and donate to our Patreon. <laughs> there you go. Good, good time to plug that. Go ahead, E-Man. <laughs> Neil, I'm going to let you plug it this time because I plug it every week. 
No, you go ahead. I don't even have it up. I don't oh, know Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> patreon.com slash Beats and Brews Official. If you guys would like to kindly go on there, you can donate a dollar. You can donate a hundred dollars. You can donate a million dollars. Any dollar Come counts. Come on, a million. Come on, a million. <laughs> <laughs> Any donation helps to uh, keep this podcast going and flowing. Uh, we'll upgrade the equipment. We're trying to make some moves here. Trying uh, to get some merch out. Trying to get some merch out. Uh, anybody that's donating, you'll be the first to get the merch. We're working on the Beats and Brews coasters, working on some t shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we are just trying to get everything up and running for you guys. So, should we should get our own anybody- Beats and Brews label and then we can slap them on the beers that you brew? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I can totally do that now. And I got a license for that too. Yeah, now. Oh, man. shit. We make our own yeah. Beats, Brews, and Points of View beer. That's coming, baby. Ooh, We're working on don't, it. Don't give Big me ideas. Big shit in 2020. Actually, give me ideas. Fuck it. <laughs> um, I, yeah. hate, I mean, I don't, I don't really go out in the winter like that, so I'm literally just about to be posted up at the house brewing. Agreed. <laughs> um, I think that's all I had to cover for something old, something new this week. Was there any other new ones that you had besides those? Nope. Awesome. Uh, there's a couple singles. Tyler Crater just dropped two singles, apparently. There's definitely some singles. <laughs> um, Tyler dropped a couple. That new uh, Sometimes track by Her, which her. we actually can just flip right into it because she was on the Grammys. If you've heard me talk on this podcast, if you listen regularly, you know that I'm obsessed with her. She's probably my favorite uh, pop star, I would say, right now. Um, I just think she's incredibly talented. She's like 22 years old. She reminds me of Prince in a lot of ways because she plays like 100 instruments. Vocally, she doesn't sound like Prince anything anything like him. Really, musically, she doesn't. But just like in her drive to want to like do all her own stuff, like she plays guitar, she plays piano, she plays bass. She messes with the drums. She does it all, man. She does it all. On that Grammy performance, she started off sitting there singing and playing piano and then gets up, throws a guitar on, slays a guitar solo, and then goes back to the piano. It's like, that shit's awesome to me. I mean, that's like the kind of show I want to see when I go see someone perform live, someone that is like that into their craft and putting on uh, an excellent show for the crowd. So shout out to her. I'm kind of pissed she didn't win any awards, but the Grammys are Was more she nominated? Or less, uh, she was nominated for album of the year, pop song of the year, uh, performance oh, yeah, of the year, right. new artist of the year. Yeah, she was in all the same. Oh, let me know real quick. Shout out to Billie Eilish. I just want to throw it out there. Literally you racked can. up. <laughs> no, nah, man, fuck that. She produced her and Phineas produced that album in their room. First her of brothers, all, brothers, the brains behind that. No, nah, man, give 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 her give some credit what she do. She's the first, the youngest person to rack up all four major categories. That's cool. No, nah, nah, I'm going to give credit when credit's due. Shout out to Billy Eilish. Get your money. <laughs> I, my thing is this with it. It's just like her brother wrote half the music and produced all of it. So it's like kind of stupid that she gets all the credit, really, in my opinion. She doesn't. He got his own Grammy for he did. producer no, he of the year. He actually won more Grammys than she did. <laughs> he did. But um, it just, it's just funny because she's like the, the name behind it. But really, he makes most of the music. Bro, <laughs> what more credit? Do you, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's probably going to do some like, you know, like some, what do you call it? Freelance shit with other artists. Right. Well, I get it. Well, Listen, that, music is subjective. I, it's family, Later people too. don't have to like the same shit that I like. <laughs> Chill. I just think that she Chill. has kind of a boring sounding voice. And that's just my opinion. That's all. I like her videos. Her, her videos, videos are, are very cool. Dope She's a creative hell. person. She kind of reminds me of actually, you know what? And this is one of her biggest inspirations. She kind of reminds me of Tyler a little bit with the videos. Wasn't she obsessed with Tyler? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, because I know that, like, she like really like obsessed with his music. Mm-hmm. But no, like the same concepts and just like quirkiness in the videos mm-hmm. and shit like that. That's kind of reminds me of like early Tyler shit. The videos are definitely cool. I'll I'll definitely give you that. Um, yeah, I'll go with that. I'm not gonna talk too much shit about her. She she is an interesting person, and I think she'll probably go on to make some cool music or whatever. But different strokes for different folks. Yeah, I must say, like I I mean. 
would I put when we all fall asleep where we go in album of the year or record of the year or bag after record of the year? Nah. Nah. For me, that shit should have been either I think Lizzo Old Rose should have had it, to be honest with you. Record of the year, he probably should have. I, I would have gave that, and I would have gave uh, Lizzo album of the year, actually. Record of the year, I think, well, should have yeah. gone to Old Town Road, and I've been on here, and I still stand by the fact that I think that song is absolute doo-doo. But having said that, <laughs> it was number one for 18 Get straight- Get money, little Nas X, and well, I've been on record saying that. Let me finish. It was- uh, even though I don't like that song, it was number one for 18 weeks straight, which is a huge accomplishment. That's the longest running number one Billboard track of all time. It beat fucking Mariah Carey and Boys to Men this year. So. And the biggest hit of uh, what's his name? Uh, Billy Ray Billy Cyrus? Cyrus's career. Too. It beats Breaky Heart. And I actually thought the, <laughs> the performance was weird, but I mean, I just don't. I just think oh, the song BTS is and all. Of them, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think he's a funny dude. I actually like. I had, I thought the video for Old Town Road was funny as hell, and I think he's an interesting person. I like him, so I'm. I'll, dude, I'm not going to trash you, him. Get your money, little Nas X. Yeah, I'm with you on get that. Your, get your money, little Nas X. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it should have got record of the year though because it was so huge. And then I think Lizzo got snubbed hardcore. I think, oh man, she, was she only won one for True Hurts, right? For like Urban Contemporary. No, no, it was for the album for because I because uh, I love you. Urban that didn't Contemporary. Win. No, uh, she won one. She won one. It was either for True Hurts or it for. Been, look it up. I forget. Maybe Pop Song of the Year or something. Nah, I can't remember what it was. But um, I in my opinion, this is my opinion. It's always important what to caveat she, with that. I think it should have gone to either Lizzo or her. She won for three. Lizzo did. Yeah, she won three grand. Yes, it's true. Uh, they don't put all of them on TV. So. But and also shout out to Anderson Pack. He won two Grammys. He got um. Best R&B album for uh, for Ventura, and then best R&B performance for Coming Home with him and Andre 3000, so I'm happy that he got some Grammys. Uh, shout out to Lettuce, the funk band Lettuce that we talk about here on here sometimes. They, Did Lettuce let take won. home a Grammy? I can't remember if they won, but they were nominated for best funk album. I think they might have won that, actually. Um, there was some. There is like some small categories that they don't put on TV anymore, which is... Okay. Kind of stupid, but so she won best urban contemporary album. Okay. Best pop, uh, best pop solo performance for True Hurts, and best traditional R and B for performance for Jerome, which was a great song, by the yeah. way. That is a great song. That's a really that's one of the strong. I think it's one of the standouts on the album, actually. Um, and shout out to Lizzo. Her performance was awesome, dude. She's out she here was. rocking a flute, fucking dancing her ass. I caught like the ta- I caught like the tail off. end of it because we were moving a fucking mm-hmm. dryer, but yeah. But I saw like when she pulled the flute, or the flute came down from the ceiling. Yeah. That was dope. Yeah, it's funny. I I have such like mixed feelings on the Grammys because I think they're a trash. Like the awards are trash, and obviously that whole big thing came out about how they're pretty much rigged and how there's like a select group of people that are able to even vote on them. But I still love watching them because the performances are usually awesome. I mean, they got all these sweet mashups and collabs and everything. I mean, I do like, I did like a lot of performances. This, this, this performances year, were though. sweet, man. Their performances are. I didn't like Billie Eilish though, and I. <laughs> I just thought that was just was a really kind, kind of a sweet. slow, somber song. It was just she slow. sang it well, though. She, she did sing. She well. did sing it well. I just feel like she could have did more. Yeah, for like, sure. It, it could have been hyped up a little bit. But I fucking love Tyler's. Tyler's was crazy. With Boys to Men. Hers was crazy. Oh, Alicia Keys and Boys to Men. That was awesome. Yeah. When they did the little Kobe thing, that was pretty sweet. You know who did not sound good? And I'm sorry because I love them both, but man, Run DMC and Aerosmith oh, sounded like shit. <laughs> oh, God. Whew, that was brutal. I forgot about Steven that. Steven Tyler one. was fucking up the lyrics and everything. Oh, man. and I, you know, I mean, bad. I like the Nipsey tribute minus DJ Khaled personally, but 
That was cool too. Yeah, DJ Khaled gets a little annoying because he's just screaming into the microphone and doesn't really do much. And he just but says John his Legend name. bodied that shit. John I mean, Legend did body it. YG Meek, bodied it. Meek sounded great. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good performance of that song, and that won a Grammy too. So shout I love, out. Nipsey got way, two Grammys actually. So that's. Pretty I love cool. YG just rolled out in an all blooded out suit, by the way, and everybody else is wearing white. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, clearly, well, Meek had blue on. <laughs> He had, had blue on. He had, no, he had blue shoes on though. No, Meek had a blue suit on. I mean, like YG had blue oh, yeah, shoes yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good performance. There was a lot of really good performances. I wish they should have had Anderson perform though. If they wanted some someone can really perform live, put that motherfucker on next year. Um, but yeah, overall it was an inter- it was an entertaining show for sure. It was it was very like usually I think they make like the all the uh, best new artists. Like perform, yeah. Like for everybody sure. else for best new artists. I make. I think they make them perform. Yeah. I think Chance didn't perform when he was nominated. That's yeah. the only one I can remember not doing it. And it was de- definitely bittersweet and kind of weird because it was like at the Staples Center the day that Kobe. Oh died, man, you know? they so, talked about that quite a bit. Yeah, Lizzo shouted him out. And Lizzo actually, during the during the uh, Nipsey tribute, they brought they put a yeah, thing put of Kobe the, out you know, next to him side to side. So that was pretty cool too. But um, yeah. So I thought the Grammys were pretty interesting this year. Um. I don't really care much for the awards, like I said. But oh, I yeah, hate the awards. I, I just I love, love the performances. The, uh, yeah, because honestly, if you think about it too, like there is so much music out there that doesn't even get acknowledged. You know what I, mean? I just was not expecting Tyler to get a Grammy. I'm 100% I, was, I was super happy for him. It shouldn't like, have been for rap album, but I was super happy for him. I remember it was like me, you, and Lindsay were watching it, and they were like, oh, yeah, it's probably going to go to Meek Mill or 21 Savage. Yeah. Just like Tyler Crater, like, whoa! Whoa! Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> that was definitely interesting. Um, how are we looking on time? We are over. We are, are definitely we over? over an hour right now. Well, I guess then um, we wrap will up. Just, 105. We'll just move along to um, this day in music and get, hit the birthdays real quick, and then we'll wrap this puppy up. Sounds good. Um, for the birthdays, there was actually quite a few birthdays this year, which was interesting to me. Um, uh, William Nelson turned 69 today, and not to be confused with Willie Nelson, he was actually a bass player that did a lot of work with... Um, the Commodores, and he was the first bass player, the original bass player for Funkadelic, and he worked with The Temptations, so a lot of Motown shit he was involved in. Um, so he turned 69 today. I think Mac Miller's 28th would have been last the week, other, Yeah, last yeah. week, you're right. Yeah, so shout out Mac Miller as well. Um, and then also DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, their longtime DJ who's been with them the entire time, turns 52 today. Uh, also, Sarah McLachlan turns 52 today. Rick Ross turns 44 today. Oh. Shout out Ricky Rose. Um, Joey Fatone from NSYNC Joey turns Fatone. 40. Dude, you know what I never really noticed? Has this Sounds been... like Fat One. Well, yeah, it's spelled Fat One. And he's <laughs> Fat One out of the group, bro. That's hilarious to me. I never knew that. No, they had a whole thing. on. You ever watch Robot Chicken? Uh-uh. They had a whole thing where he was like a kung fu fire. It was called Enter the Fat One. <laughs> and he that's was hilarious. Like, <laughs> it oh, was I'm great. glad someone made a joke of that. He actually then. did the voice of it, too. It oh, dude, that's great. Well, I'm glad that he has a good sense of humor then. Shout out to Joey Fatone for having a good sense of humor. And then uh, it's funny because he's an NSYNC member. And then also today's birthday is Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys. He turned 40. Oh, nice. Um, oh, speaking of which, in the local scene, uh, shout out to Rocky Five. Birthday today. Oh, shout out Rocky yeah. Five. I didn't know B- that. BBMP OV alumni. Yes, sir. Shout out Rocky. I think he's, he, dude, that guy works hard, man. He's, he yeah, pops he up on everyone's album. He's on Dre Dab's new album, too. So you can go check that out. Paradise Sky. I forget which, what the name of the track that he's featured on, but he's definitely on there. And also, I want to shout out Villain. Villain, I'm going to get around to listening to tracks. He emailed me a handful of tracks that he wants me and you to listen to, E-Man. So oh, dope. Yeah. we will get around to listening to those, and we will uh, let you know our opinion on those 
Uh, Villain is also flight team uh, affiliate. And also be, uh, Beats and Brews and Points of View yes, alumni, too. alumni. Yeah. Correct. Um, yeah, and then I had a few for this day in music, and then we will get out of here. Um, let's see here. It's This actually is the most important one to me, because if you know anything about the history of Sly Stone, who's a legendary um, Detroiter and musician making funk music, Sly and the Family Stone, he went through some real hardships around the 2011 era where he was really into drugs and became homeless and was living on the streets of Detroit, I think out of like a camper. And um, on t- in 2015 in LA, he was awor- awarded $5 million in missing royalties by an LA County court. Um, the singer claimed that his former manager, Gerald Goldstein and lawyer Glenn Stone had cheated him out of early earnings dating back more than 20 years. And so in 2015, he finally got what, what was his and got a little bit of money because at that time he was he was really struggling. So I thought that one was important to, to note. Um, and then also in 2009 on this day, I was a big fan of these guys in high school. Leonard Skinner's original keyboard uh, player, Billy Powell, who was one of the last original members in the band playing still with them, uh, passed away at the age of 56 from a heart attack. So uh, rest in peace to him. He was a f- disgustingly good piano player. If you can ever listen to the, some of the early like 60s and 70s Skinner recordings, that man was killing it. Um, Real quick, uh, in the beer world, forgot to mention this last week, uh, Atwater Brewery has sold to Miller Coors. Yeah, I know. Sellouts. That's, uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I mean, for the big, I mean, if you guys are familiar, Atwater Try to keep is the that biggest, money in the city, dickheads. Atwater is the biggest brewery in Detroit. And I mean, if you guys are familiar with Dirty Blonde or Vanilla Java Porter and stuff like that, Atwater is the guy. To, I mean, all the, the people that produce that. Mm-hmm. I I get it because the brewery, the beer game, the craft beer game is hard. That craft beer game has taken a big hit the past couple years with you know just overpopulation. There's a lot of different beers coming out, mm-hmm. as well as you know the craze of like the White Claws and the seltzers and shit like that. So I totally get it, but. I mean, it, it still sucks, but hey, see get your money. less water beers on this podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. But anyways, continuing along, 1995, TLC started a four-week run at number one with Creep, was a, was a huge song for them. Probably their most popular. They don't even play that song no more, do they? Oh, sure. No, I don't think they play that song anymore. Why wouldn't they? I because they're tired of playing it. I've actually heard. Oh, I thought I read an article, but they don't play it. Yeah, live. Oh, yeah. Radiohead. They, they don't play to, that. Bro. They don't play that live no more. I don't uh, think. They they have to play that live. I feel like that's. I like, feel like they hate that song. That chasing waterfalls is like what people would go to see TLC for. It's like Eminem playing. Uh, what's it call it? Without me, not without me. But well, Eminem has way more. My high, my name is. I feel like that's Eminem playing. My name is now. Not quite the same though, <laughs> because Eminem has about twenty charting singles, and TLC has about. Three, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe they don't. You could be right. Um, and then lastly, um, which I think this one's also really cool, along with the Sly Stone one. In 1985 is when the recordings for "We Are the World" with Michael Jackson and like all those celebrities at the same time, um, uh, Lionel Richie and Ray Charles, Daryl Hall, John Oates, Cindy Lauper, Steve Perry, Bruce Springsteen, Stevie Wonder. That's when it started recording. Um, took place on this day in 1985 which I think is pretty cool. And oh, one more funny one. In 1984, after a show backstage, Motley Crue was playing. Tommy Lee found out that his girlfriend had posed 
for the current issue of Penthouse Magazine without his knowledge. Nice. And a fan made a, made it known to him backstage, and Tommy punched the fan unconscious with a one-hit punch, um, which his manager convinced the fan with, uh, I'm sure, with some concert tickets and T-shirts and shit not to sue Tommy Lee. <laughs> but that one was kind of funny. But that is it for today. That's all I got for this day of music. Um, it was fun being able to get back to our regular scheduled program today. Um, and we will see you next week. Peace. Peace. Oh, and then here is a little bit of um, Jack Harlow's new track to end the podcast with. This song is called What's Poppin'. Jack Harlow is kind of an up-and-coming rapper from Louisville, Kentucky, uh, where my uncle lived. And I think he's just super talented, and this song's a lot of fun. So here's a little bit of Jack Harlow, What's Poppin', and we will check you next week. Later. What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that bitch like Stockton. Just joshing. I'ma spend this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top ten. I can put the ball in the end zone, put a bad bitch in the friend zone. This shit sound like an intro jet song, give me that tempo. Told Pooh he'll fool with the shit. Told her don't let her friends know. In the villain, I move like a dime. Eating pettuccine or Vincenzo's. Me and my amigos got that free smoke on the West Coast. Yeah, I'm talking about pre-rolls. Dark hair bitch, and she look like she go. She do. Hometown hero, feeling myself, can't murder my ego. She heard of my deep stroke. She said, babe, does it hurt when I deep throw? It does. Certified freak hoe, hang around us, and she learning my lingo. Back then, wasn't worried about me, though. In the gym, trying to work on my free throw. Goddamn. Spending money at the club like Sam's. Yes, ma'am. She a little freak on cam. But she don't put this on the ground. Little boys trying to diss on the ground. Hey, I can't switch on the fan. Shit's hot, hit the switch on the fan. This where my head is. I feel resentment from every direction. Even some homies be wearing expressions. I be discouraged from sharing my blessings. We used to share a connection. Now it just feels like it's wearing and stretching. I'm getting real sick of taking advice from people that never could stare at reflections. Somewhere in there is a lesson. Y'all ain't evolving, it's very depressing. I'm at the club with the basketball team. Me and the Cardinals are sharing a section. Gotta cherish the present. I'm drinking water and wearing protection. Got a career and I'm very invested. Some people call it a scary obsession. I like to call it a passion. I can't be sitting relaxing. PG, we getting some traction. I'm at the venue, it's packed. I'm digging her accent. I got a BB Simon belt on me and she trying to get it, I'm fastened. That's my type of distraction. That's my type of she latin. Got my own flow and I'm about to get a patent. Brand new sheets for the bed, they satin. Y'all wasn't tuned in back then. My swag, they keep jacking. I ain't doing no verse, quit asking. What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that bitch like Stockton. Just joshing. I'ma spend this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top 10.